Um, hi everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. Welcome, podcast number two, so exciting. Yeah. This one's going to focus on dating. Yes, the first all of the fun our relationship series. Yeah. Yes, um, super exciting. Uh, dating in our early 20s. Specifically 22-year-olds yeah. speaking here. Specifically post-grad, brand new adult. Mm-hmm. dating i feel like i don't resonate as a 22 year old do you in what way like you're older i feel like i am 30 yeah because mm-hmm. you're you're just mature and you have a lot of older friends i suppose so me too yeah some days i feel like i'm 22 some days i feel like i'm 17 i feel like i crave being 22 like four times a year but yeah. the rest i'm like i'm cool living as a 30 year old um, uh-huh. No, I really want to be in my early 20s. I've been waiting to be in my early 20s. What about my um, whole life? Sounds super exhilarating to you. Because you're young. This is not about dating. But you're young. Single. Single. And, but you're free. Like, you're on your own. Like, you're an adult. Like, you can do whatever you want. I feel like you're free at 32. Yeah. But just the idea of being in your early 20s. Like, you can't... Like, you're learning everything. You don't really have to have anything together at all. Hmm. Kind of like the idea of it. I feel like, in theory, it sounds great. But I hold the pressure within myself to have everything figured out. Yeah. So maybe that's why I don't... A lot of people have that. Yeah. I think it's common. I've shared that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Well, dating. Dating. Let's start with our personal experiences in dating, where we're at, what we've learned, and you can begin. Yeah, mine is a lot shorter than yours because <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess I'm not currently dating. I'm single. Um, I was dating in the beginning of the year, and then I literally wasn't home enough to be dating anyone. I would like, I still like, I went on a couple dates, but I'm not currently dating anyone. Awesome. Do y'all hear that little dog in the background? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's really cute. She is cute. Well, I can share my experience now. So I am currently single. I actually went on a date yesterday. I don't think I told really? you that. I did not know that. <laughs> How'd here. it go? It went really well. We had a ton in common, and it seemed like we shared similar values. It was a good conversation, coffee day. I think we're supposed to see each other again soon. But he lives up here. And Interesting. How did you meet this person? Uh, Hinge. Oh. Mm-hmm. It's another difference between Holly and I. She'll make an effort to actually go on dates. <laughs> Me, I'm like, oh... Uh, I put it off, and then <laughs> it happens. It's not much of an effort, I'll be honest. Yeah. yeah. More than zero, so <laughs> yeah. I mean, at least yesterday, which is my yeah. effort, yeah. But aside from that, I have gone, I would say, on a lot of dates in the last year or so. I haven't gone on a ton in the US, but specifically while traveling, I've had some really awesome dating experiences, and it was an amazing way to even just meet people, learn about different cultures, understand different people's belief systems and how they have come to be. So I've really loved it. I think I've definitely experienced, you know, versions of disappointment in dating as mm-hmm. anyone has, just in realizing that it's a pretty complex process and 
you want to, you know, be vulnerable and be open for love and for connection and intimacy, but then that is, you know, requiring of the risk of heartbreak, which yep. is the human heart for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of my experience. I would say I've done a ton of work on my beliefs surrounding dating, love, relationships, intimacy, and I follow a ton of dating psychologists and coaches because I think that's pretty fascinating. So, yeah, a little bit about me. Yeah. While you actually look into, like, the psychology of dating, I read romance novels. (laughs) (laughs) Those are my expectations. (laughs) I read a romance novel ever. It's really entertaining. I I actually read, or sorry, not read, watched a video on the harm of consuming romance novels or romance movies or even just really? like Disney movies because the narrative typically is this woman in distress needs to oh, be rescued yeah. and saved by a man and that just I like, definitely see that for Disney totally we are not reading not my romance books okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know what they are <laughs> but well I guess the whole romance genre is it's mostly written by women and a lot mm. of it is just like women fantasizing about a man treating them well and falling in love with them wow which is so interesting because why do we need romance novels if like that is just not the reality and stuff like that 100 percent. and then also identifying that the sheer act of fantasizing is because we're not fulfilled with our Mm -hmm. current circumstances i mean i feel like i have definitely chatted with guys before and then on date number six i'm like oh my gosh, we're going to, you know, be married in a year. Yeah, that is something we should talk about, expectations. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) That too. Both, yeah. Yeah. So hand in hand. And then also fantasizing is rooted in being uncomfortable with your present situation and the uncertainty. Needing to escape into something ideal. Exactly. And works out in your head. 100%. Rather than finding peace in... The present circumstances. Yeah, in reality. Totally. Okay, let's get into it. So, what are your beliefs about dating and or fears, narratives, whatever you feel called to share? Yeah, so dating is really subjective. I think everyone goes into dating for different reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I am, I don't know if it's hopeful or hopeless romantic. but I love love and I think I've always wanted something genuine and I've always wanted the like the spark I guess which it happens but it's not super realistic and common my challenge question for you is would you be cool going on a date with someone who was just wanting to learn about themselves rather than actually pursue a connection and potential relationship? Um, I don't know. I guess, yes, because I like, well, then I wouldn't call it a date. Um, well, only if I know that, though, because if I knew that, then I would talk to them. This goes into why I'm a psych major. <laughs> I would, like, be like, well, what do you want to learn about yourself? Like, let me help you. Like, I love <laughs> talking to people and getting deep, especially with strangers. Yes. I think that's why you and I are besties. Yeah. Yeah. We can talk deep. Real deep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I say that, and I went on a date once, 
and I was like, oh, like, tell me, what's your life story? Like, tell me about you. Then he was just immediately talked about how his mom died. I was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) My favorite color is black. (laughs) Anyways. That's tough because you you want to be deep with someone, but you also don't want, I'm not saying this is a challenge, but like, you don't want no boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be too superficial, but... No, never. I I've feel like some things the need to, like... happen as well. Like, he just shared literally everything. Yeah. And I'm grateful that he felt safe to do so, but I feel like it was just too fast. Yeah. And I think something that I think we've both experienced is people who just talk. Like, you go <laughs> on the date, and then you end the date, and you're like, I think this person could tell me nothing about me. Yeah. Like, they were not listening. They didn't want me to talk yeah they just wanted to like hear themselves talk basically i listened to this podcast on listening and how to improve your interpersonal skills specifically communication and number one facet of improvement was being able to listen and to really hear what the other person was saying Mm -hmm. to really stop for like four to five seconds after the person finishes their sentence so that they have the opportunity to go deeper because mm-hmm. I do not find joy in not being part of the conversation. Like, I, I want to ask questions about them, answer questions, engage in dialogue, but you never leave a conversation feeling seen and understood if it's only talking about yourself or only talking about the other person. Yeah. I think I struggle with that too. Non dating. Um, but in relationships, because I am a listener. Like, I I think because growing up, um, I've been talked over a lot, mm. or I've seen people who just need someone to listen to them. Yeah. And so I definitely take on that role, but then I don't fight to, like, say something, too. Mm. That's um, interesting. And I think a lot of people... And this might have to do with social media or something. Right. People just really want to say what they want to say. Hmm. And, like, they're not really listening because while you're talking, they're thinking about how they could respond. Hmm. And I think it's active listening. That's mm-hmm. really... It's what mature people can mm-hmm. do. And I think dating in your early 20s, you will experience a lot of immature people in mm-hmm. the beginning, which can be frustrating. 100%. And then it's the same facet of you attract who you are internally. So if we are attracting men of character and integrity and with a genuine desire to know us and respect us, then that means we're probably doing the same to them. Mm -hmm. But if they're, you know, objectifying us subconsciously, then maybe we're not honoring them in the same way. I'm not saying that's that end-all be-all statement but just kind of law of attraction yeah what are your thoughts on casual dating so it depends on what our definition of casual dating is what's yours yeah i think we have different definitions Mm -hmm. i guess casual dating um are people dating multiple people at once like not committing to anyone Hmm. which i think is different than your definition i don't know that i have a distinct definition of casual dating but what I've learned about myself through my personal experience is that if I am connecting with someone it's important for me to find the line of 
being present and where the connection is, whether that be a very minimal connection or a pretty solid, you know, thorough connection and simultaneously knowing that there's other people out there, but not knowing there's other people out there out of fear of, you know, loss or the current connection going awry. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I guess I just don't necessarily have the romantic capacity to talk to multiple people at once. Same. But I think ethically, as long as you're communicating and respecting and honoring the people involved, then it's up to the individual. Yeah, and I think there's a difference um, between, like, one to two dates with people. Like, if you're, like, seeing a bunch of people for the first time, like, all around the Mm -hmm. same time versus, like, you've been seeing someone Uh for, like, a month and then you find out that they've also been, like, talking to someone else. That hurts. Yeah, I think like really badly. Yeah, so there needs to be like a limit. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you. I've also I've done like the two dates in one week, and I just don't have the mental capacity for that. Totally. And so with getting to know someone and maybe progressing towards exclusivity, what do you think your line is between? Okay, we're just talking versus we're in a committed relationship. Like, what changes for you? Well, I never had like the whole talking stage I guess interesting well, I definitely have yeah because I haven't I got out of a long-term relationship mm-hmm. two years ago mm-hmm. and then COVID, it was like in the middle of COVID I wasn't really meeting anyone mm-hmm. that I was going to be able to date during COVID right um part of it because I still lived at home right half of the COVID right when, when we broke up um and then this whole past year I've been really I've been going on casual dates but no one's really kept my interest enough to, like, make me want to see them multiple times. Yeah. Um, totally fair. Plus, I've been really focusing on myself. Yeah. So, I, I just never had that whole thing because my past relationship, we knew we liked each other. And we were still in high school. Yeah. And so, you kind of, like, it's kind of... It's different. It's different. Not Than dating 20s. in your early 20s. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Oh, my gosh. It's so different. I feel like I've had a pretty different experience. Mm-hmm. So... I would say I've made some really, really solid connections through the talking phase, but due to a series of circumstances, they have not ended up as my boyfriend. So, mm-hmm. for example, met this one guy in Copenhagen who was amazing. I'm like, if I lived in the same, you know, country or even continent as him, I would totally, like, boyfriend him up. But I'm not really interested in a cross-continent beginning (laughs) long-distance relationship but I think that goes into a little bit of the subject of situationships because I'm not for that like my intention in dating is to get to know someone and to progress the connection towards further safety and you know developing the sense of belonging and understanding of both people involved but situationships feel like they feel immature. A little bit, yeah. Like, why are we having a lack of commitment? Like, why aren't we able to have the conversation and why you don't want to have this label? I think there are so many nuances to that because, for example, I'm still chatting with a guy from Copenhagen. I haven't mm-hmm. seen him in, I guess, four months now. And I'm not going to start dating him. But I don't necessarily feel like it's the right decision to just not talk at all. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if I'd call that a situationship. 
Okay, then again, we have a different definition of situationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my, my version of situationship is people who are seeing each other consistently. You're basically dating, but you don't oh. have the label. They don't... You wouldn't call them your boyfriend or your girlfriend, but you're right. doing everything under the sun that would go under that label. Um, okay. Yeah, I'm with you there. I yeah. think I was on a I think yours is on talking. Right. Like, you guys are still talking, which is okay. Chatting. Yeah. Casually chatting. getting to know one another. Yeah. And if I move to, you know, Northern Europe, something might change. Yeah. We'll see. Ooh. Who knows? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, what is your main takeaway surrounding your narrative of dating and love versus what you feel like potentially could be healthier? Like, what's the limiting belief, if you have any? I go into dates with too much expectation. Like, I'm like, like, if we're not vibing right away, I'm like, okay, well, that's it. Mm. Or if, like, it's a really good date, I'm like, well, I'm going to date this person. Like, I'm in love. Like, I really like them. Uh Let me plan my future with them in my head. Interesting. Yeah. And so. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like I'm a little different in the sense that. I do not pay attention to the spark whatsoever. I mean, subconsciously, you are going to acknowledge this person and I are vibing and getting along very, very well. Mm-hmm. But I think the spark is so fleeting that that's not what I want to be the foundation of the relationship. And so I really prefer getting to know someone in like a really wholesome manner where I identify their values and their beliefs and what's important to them, how they live their life, mm-hmm. if they're rooted in the same things I'm rooted in. And then progressing if we're on the same page or have somewhat of a similar vision, but in no way do I care if we get along immediately or not. Yeah, I think my problem is I get the ick really <laughs> easily. That's so I funny. totally get icked out by people. I feel like really I get the ick too, but I can let it go. Oh, I see. I what do you get the ick for? Well, I just had this conversation with my friend, like, two nights ago. Mm-hmm. It's a long list. I have something, too. What is yours? I don't like watching guys eat <laughs> <laughs> messy foods. Yeah. It, like, really gives me the That's act. just a pet peeve for me. Yeah, I it's Oh, a my lot. gosh. It's people who cannot, like, they eat with their mouth open, I, like, am literally, like, skin is crawling. I have to, like, look uh-huh. away. It's, like, a lot. Um, oh, I was thinking about this the other day, and there were so many, but... They're fleeting. Hypermasculinity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hate when they, and I know you do this because we uh-huh. mentioned this before. I hate when they're like, oh. um, guess where I'm from. <laughs> <laughs> like, or if I've met them I do that vaguely in, Europe, in the though. past. Not here. See, a guy did that to me in Europe. And I was like, okay, I was like, I don't want to, I immediately got icked out. Like, I didn't want to talk to him anymore. And he like kept nice. pushing it. I was like, okay, you're from so-and-so. Uh-huh. And then he said some other country that was so out of pocket that I never would have been able to guess, which is obviously why he says it, because no one guesses it. What country was it? It was Australia. That's definitely not out of pocket. And I was like, you... Australia is like an easy country. The accent is so no, obvious. But it wasn't, though. He, like, barely had an Australian accent. Um, and he doesn't... Um, I don't know. We should be kind to this guy. Dude, if you're listening... No, he's annoying. <laughs> keep doing the he's question in, He's game. in Europe. He's not listening. 
I'm sure he didn't mind it. No. Save I the analytics, baby. Ooh. Literally get the ick so hard from it's that. So nice. Let's name one good thing about him. He's awesome because he's traveling. He, no, he moved there. Okay. I was like, you're you fucking awesome. Where? You're 24 and you just moved from Australia to the Netherlands. Like, good for Wait, you. what does he do there? Uh, he works consulting, I think. Oh, Consulting like company. Interesting. Oh, I don't fully remember, but yeah. Very interesting. Anyways, Who I Who do you think should pay for the first date? See, if I think if it's going well, you should 50-50 it. Okay, If yeah. I am not enjoying myself, I am not putting out money. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting. What about you? I feel like whoever asks the person on a date should pay. Oh. But I always true. offer. Like, every single time. That's nice. I've had some pretty uncomfortable situations with guys in paying, but, like, I always always offer that's you know? nice yeah 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 i think it's good to have a conversation instead of just assuming uh-huh um do you have anxiety of dates ever yeah mm-hmm. oh my gosh i get so i think i have social anxiety though because i will get anxiety i go we go to the bars here mm-hmm. downtown campbell and i've been there so many times i know exactly who's going to be there i know exactly who i'm going with and I still get so anxious for going. Mm, and so same with dates. I get really anxious just because I think I can't predict how it's going to go. Totally. It's outside of your control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that is just... I used to very deeply resonate with that. Like, I think all of high school, first year of college, I was so anxious about dates. I remember I went on... My first day in college in September, and I guess I got there in August, I couldn't eat all day. I was, like, mm-hmm. sick to my stomach. I was sweating. Yeah. I, like, almost canceled. And then it was totally fine. Totally fine. Mm-hmm. Didn't really go anywhere. But this guy was awesome. Great conversation. And now I get zero anxiety for dates. Like I, That's good. I will, okay, so never mind. First dates. And second and third dates, zero anxiety. If it's, like, a person where I feel like there's a lot of risk on the date or that the date is really valuable and, you know, really important in guiding where the relationship is going, that's Mm. when I would experience some hesitation. But in terms of, like, going to a new place, meeting a new person, I love it. It's, like, favorite thing ever. I think that's why I get anxiety because I don't like that. That's fair. Yeah. Totally fair. Okay, Holly. Um, do you have any advice? Because you've gone on a lot of dates. Totally. What is your advice, your perspective, your narrative? What mm, let me get into it. <laughs> One of my favorite things. So I would say my main takeaway is you don't have to be, you know, perfectly healed of all of your insecurities and fears and narratives surrounding disappointment to date but I think if you are in a place where you are in a whole state of healing of being of knowing who you are knowing your values identifying what you're looking for in a relationship without having the list which I know you and I Mm -hmm. can both relate to then in that situation I think that is the best case scenario for dating because as we know it can be very 
full of disappointment and uncertainty, especially with just the dating culture in today, 2022. But I think if you are able to be in a place where if you get rejected or ghosted or um, left, whatever that mm -hmm. dating experience may entail, if you are able to default to, I'm so whole, I'm so loved, I'm so worthy, even mm -hmm. if this awful thing happens to me from another person, then I think that is when you're ready to date because it's a very personal thing. It's very... Yeah, you're very vulnerable. Very vulnerable to give your heart to someone. And yeah, I think with that, I have learned to really challenge my narratives with dating. So I know a lot of people around me struggle with assuming the worst in dating relationships. Yeah. But I choose to assume the best and then I'm okay if I experience disappointment because I know I was refining my narrative of hope and joy in mm -hmm. that sort of connection. I also have the belief of getting to know any person, sitting down with any person in the world will never be a waste of time because each person is valuable and interesting and has something to say about the world that will refine your point of view. And then finally, I have chosen the value of my life to be putting myself out there for connection, intimacy, and love with the acceptance of pain and risk. Because that, you know, is a very closely held dichotomy. Finally, last takeaway or piece of advice would be to acknowledge people are people. They're imperfect beings, hopefully trying to do their best, but they're very rarely living in the most optimal state because we have pressures and worries and fears and a lot of things on our plate, just, you know, yeah. present society. And so to drop the list, drop your idea of perfection, because what truly is good for you is often shifting with time and so you know maybe what you created at 20 for your ideal man does not align with who you are today so go within get real with yourself identify who you are what is most important to you and share your truth be communicative Confront people if necessary. <laughs> Be okay with rejection. And yeah, that's that's all for today, ladies. Thank Ooh, you that was incredible. for listening. Well, ladies and gents, we'll be posting another blog soon. So feel free to check out our website and Instagram page. And we will be posting our next podcast next week. So yeah. have an amazing rest of your day or evening. Yeah, thank you. Bye.